You can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. This show is brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. And I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. So Adam, how was your July 4th? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, what a difference a year makes in a couple of jabs. We saw fireworks everywhere we went. People were out. There was a great celebration. And I feel like some of that wasn't just happy birthday, America. It was thank God we can get out of the house. And it was just everywhere, I felt. I know it was really exciting to be out with friends and family and just enjoy celebrating America's birthday. Yeah, I think a lot of people, Michaela, had the opportunity to travel. And for people I talked to, close friends, many of them were getting on an airplane for the first time in the last couple of weeks. I will say in my household, we are also getting on an airplane in a couple of weeks. We're actually going to be heading overseas. So I know it's going to be probably a very different experience, but we're just excited to be able to get out and travel again. Yeah. And one of the rites of passage that we missed last year in the Summer Olympics is finally going to happen, albeit under really weird circumstances. But the facts about PACs continues. We are, as ever, in the news and a lot of the things that our members care about are very much in play on Capitol Hill. And I was listening to a song over the weekend, Bob Dylan. He sang this song in 1965 called Subterranean Homesick Blues. And one of the great lyrics from that song is you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. And I feel like America is firmly underway with our reopening. And that is the way the wind is blowing. And it's also true for our industry and the immediate reality that we are going to be back to face to face in D.C., if not now in no time. And I think that's really why we're lucky, McKay to have Joe Mannion from American Waterways Operators on our podcast today. Joe is AWO's Director of Political Affairs and also a member of the NAPAC Board of Directors. And I know, Adam, our audience will be very interested to hear Joe's take on all things like in-person fundraising, the ongoing role for virtual events, and what a once-in-a-generation American investment in infrastructure could mean for waterways operators and consumers. Yeah, the infrastructure debate is reaching a new gear, and a lot of Americans who don't witness it every day underappreciate how much of our commerce is moving through America on waterways and how we are trying to get out of a deficit of investment in that piece of our infrastructure. So I'm really excited about it. I won't wait another minute. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode of the Facts About PACs is brought to you by Chainbridge Bank. If you're looking for a financial partner who actually understands PACs, end the frustration by crossing the bridge to better banking with Chain Bridge Bank. They're a group who specializes in the financial needs of the corporate and association PAC space. Chain Bridge Bank, they know PACs. Thank you to really our Facts About PACs podcast sponsor again, Chain Bridge Bank. And I will just say they really do know PACs, Adam. And now joining us from an undisclosed location inside the Beltway, the incomparable Joe Mannion, Director of Political Affairs at American Waterways Operators. So great to have you with us, Joe. 
Oh, thanks, Mikhail and Adam. Longtime listener, first time caller. Really excited to be with you here today. Well, Joe, we know that you're back out in the real world. You know, maybe just let's kick this off with sharing with everyone your firsthand knowledge about what the reopening looks like in D.C. these days. Basically, since Memorial Day, we've started to see a real return to whether it's in-person events, you know, sort of uh, interpersonal engagement, which has been really great to see. It's been 16 months of trying times and finding ways to adapt and do our work differently and better and smarter given the circumstances. And so now we're transitioning back to those pre-pandemic times, kind of maintaining sort of those habits that we've developed that have really elevated our work in ways. You know, Joe, we've um, been talking a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. Are you seeing since Memorial Day, I know it's only been five or six weeks here, but are you seeing sort of an uptick in people attending in person? Absolutely. I think that's been one of the, the significant differences. Now that individuals are fully vaccinated and returning to their offices, returning to in-person events and having meetings, kind of either socially distant, some of them are outside still, but being able to put the Zoom away and then be able to have a face to face conversation is on the rise, not only within the DC community and the DC fundraisers, but with our members as well. The American Waterways operators, we represent the tugboat, towboat, and barge industry. Our members are working, kind of moving domestic maritime commerce. And so it's been really great to find ways to re engage with our membership in a way that's just not in the virtual space. That's a fantastic point. Waterway operators, unlike many folks who had the option of trying to keep their job going on a virtual basis, are inherently on the water. They are making American commerce alive and they couldn't be anywhere else, Joe. You got to meet people where they are. And these folks, well, they just never stopped. That's right, Adam. Our members are part of the critical infrastructure workforce. They were crucially important, maintaining the supply chain, keeping goods going to consumers. Our mariners were on the boats every day. The boats didn't stop. Our employees were finding ways where when they were on inshore staff where they could work from home, they were. But in other instances, they had to be in the office in order to keep the goods flowing to folks that were staying home and that folks that were quarantined during the pandemic. How did you guys figure out the right balance for hybrid? Was it a lot of virtual in your connectivity with lawmakers? And and how are you guys going forward as you try and influence this incredible effort towards infrastructure, which is going to have a big impact if it's done right on your entire industry, Joe? Yeah, Adam, it was about adapting to the times and the circumstance, right? We didn't know how long this was going to go on. We didn't know what sort of opportunities we would have. And so we embraced virtual fairly early on. Back in March, we kind of said, hey, listen, we've got to go all in on the virtual space. And it's really important that our members feel connected, not only to our association, but to our advocacy work. And the best way to do that was in the virtual space. And and I've got to tell you, some of the advantages that we found where we were able to engage our members that may not have been able to participate otherwise. Our tradition is we have a bunch of family-owned small business operators. And so sometimes for them to, to break away from their business, to make a trip to D.C., to talk to their lawmakers about their story, you know, they can't always do it. And the virtual space provided them an opportunity to actually communicate with their members of Congress as well, to highlight their work and the important things that they were doing to keep America open. And so that was really a positive that I'd say that came out of the virtual space. As we're looking forward is the future. Our members are excited about and passionate to meet in person, right? You can't get 
that energy always over a Zoom. And so this return to meetings, to, to the interactions, to have discussions and debate, sometimes an in-person space is the best place to do that. And our members are excited about that. And that's how we feed as an association, feed off the passion and the energy of our members. And so that's what we're really wanting to keep that engagement piece that we've developed in the virtual space and then combine that with that forward looking, how do we do the, how do we elevate our work? How do we do things better to communicate? Joe, I'm so encouraged to hear that because despite maybe what we hear and read in social media these days, truly our associations and their members, our corporations and their employees have really overwhelmingly said they want to be back in person. They want to come to Washington. And it's great to hear that your members are excited to get back, but that you also now have a system in place where if they can't get here, certainly can connect everyone through this virtual setting that's been quite effective. So I'm excited to hear that. Joe, what do you think for our broad industry? Are we going to be going back to a full call on Congress and fly-in days? Or Michaela, do you think we're going to be keeping the virtual elements that are not only economical and efficient, but enfranchising people who just never really got in the process before? I would say from my perspective, I think we're going to probably, at least for the next maybe one to two, three years, continue in this sort of hybrid virtual space. But I think there's some long-term benefits to it, to your point. I mean, it's a cost savings, but you also, to what Joe has said, and we've heard with other guests on the show, that the reach and ability to bring in and engage even more stakeholders, I think, is something we don't want to walk away from. Yeah, Michaela, I have to agree with you. We did a virtual, what we called our barge-in did that virtually, fully virtual in May, and it was quite successful. We had great participation from our members. We didn't really miss a beat from where we were in traditional years. It had its own set of logistical challenges, but ultimately it was quite successful in taking our message to Capitol Hill. But I do know our members did miss going and talking to members on the Hill and and meeting face to face with their members of Congress and being able to talk about the work that they do. And so I think that'll have a place. But I do think there is an overwhelming want to have those in-person meetings and to be able to take it to those pre-times. So I think that's where we are. Well, I mean, as you've clearly outlined, your members have been vital as part of our infrastructure as a country and bringing in goods during this pandemic. And so maybe we can switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about infrastructure. One story that jumps to mind when I think about AWO is the scary cracks that have closed the I-40 bridge that spans the Mississippi River and links Arkansas and Tennessee. And it's been months that cars haven't been able to cross the river, but they're not alone, are they? You mentioned the I-40 bridge. When that closed, it also closed barge traffic from flowing underneath the river on the Mississippi. I think it was closed for about three days. And at one point, you had more than 60 vessels and over a thousand barges queued up to get under the bridge. So it's not just the crossing of the bridge by the other modes of freight transportation, but it also affected the barge traffic underneath. And so you can see where those pieces intersect. And from a supply chain standpoint, I think the pandemic really showed the resiliency, but the fragility of our supply chain and the the need for significant investment in our infrastructure, because we're only as good as our infrastructure supports. No other mode of transportation is as safe, as efficient, and environmentally friendly as maritime. 
And so an investment in that infrastructure, our locks and dams, our ports, really goes a long way to moving commerce, shoring up the supply chain and making sure that we have mariners safety priorities and that we supply an industry that has family wage jobs, part of that critical infrastructure workforce. So Joe, this infrastructure package and getting something across the finish line is no easy task. Curious, from your perspective, how vital is the PAC and other advocacy tools that you'll be utilizing in your current advocacy strategy and trying to get something done? Well, Michaela, I mean, the PAC is critically important to AWS advocacy, period. It's kind of those three legs of the stool, right? So we have our legislative advocacy piece. We have our grassroots outreach and our member engagement. And then we have our political action committee which allows our members a voice in the political process through their contributions and allows us to support champions of the maritime industry, allows us to educate members of Congress on the important work that we do that is often unseen and unrealized. And so what the PAC and the engagement of our members in political giving is vitally important because it provides us the tools necessary to advocate on behalf of the industry and to really shore up the position for our mariners, our companies, and where we want to go in the future. What does it look like for the PAC for AWO right now? And I guess keeping an eye on things, you guys are always a very bipartisan operation. Maritime transportation uh, and, you know, kind of transportation in general is bipartisan. And so we try to engage in that way on both sides of the aisle, House and Senate, Democrat and Republican. Infrastructure is just a critical component. Reliability of navigation, Jones Act jobs are really important foundations to our homeland security, national security, economic security as a country. You know, we believe in the transparency that the PAC brings to the political process and acts as a way for our members to get engaged and to have their voice set. Well, Joe, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you the rest of this year, and we look forward to seeing all of your great success. Joe Mannion, Director of Political Affairs at the American Waterways Operators, thanks so much for your insights today. We, we really look forward to having you back on the podcast, and maybe we can talk about all the great things that were included in the infrastructure deal. Well, Adam, Michaela, it's been great to be here with you and, uh, you know, appreciate the time. Look forward to being back. Thanks, Joe. And, and thanks to everyone downloading and sharing the Facts About PACS podcast. We're back next week with a very special episode of the podcast. Join us for a trip back to the front lines of American political science research as we hear from Princeton University political science professor Zhao Li on her latest and extremely relevant findings about PACS. As ever, employee-funded and business trade association PACS are the most transparent and regulated form of political giving. And NAPAC is dedicated to defending that record and championing the amazing PAC professionals who lead vital teams. Subscribe and meet us right back here next week on the Facts About PACs podcast.